Well, hello. Um, hello, Nick. So, I am here with my friend uh, Nick. How do you say your last name? Babrusiv. Babrosiv? <laughs> no. Like the English way to say it. English way to say it, no, because like the bro part, just mm -hmm. emphasize that because you're my bro. No. Oh! Uh, do you get it now? <laughs> I'll just call you broski from now on. Alright, alright. All right. <laughs> alright, so uh, Nick is one of my buddies here. I met him probably like two months ago. Uh, I don't even remember the first time I met him, but it was probably one like an event or two. So I know him as my Russian Baptist friend. So yeah, uh, Nick, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Well, yeah, so my name is Nick Babrusiv, um, Babrusyov if you want to be fancy, but uh, yeah, a uh, freshman here at Wash U. Um, I met Chris, I believe, through Axe. It was a game night, random day, decided to come out, and we were playing board games, and uh, found out he was Cuban, found out he was a communist too. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, freshman here, but yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you. Um, so, I just sort of wanted to start off by asking you sort of, like, if you were to sort of describe who you are very, like, briefly, like, what sort of things would you include in that? So, a part of my personality or a part of my identity, I want to, I would say is, like, I foremost want people to know that I'm a Christian and, like, that's ultimately where my identity is and that's, that's like the ideal answer and it's often not like the answer you see when you first meet me just because you know we're sinners but um, uh, I would say a big part of my identity also is that um, I'm Slavic so my parents my mom is from Latvia and my dad's from Uzbekistan so both former Soviet Union states um, so we speak Russian we have a very Slavic background I'm big into like Slavic culture and Slavic heritage and whatnot and then, who else am I? Well, I'm a freshman here at Wash U, so I'm taking steps to advance my academic career here at Wash U. Hopefully, we'll become a doctor one day. That's the ultimate goal, but we'll see what God has in store for me. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much me in, so, in a nutshell. Cool, yeah. So when you say Slavic, what are some of the things that you sort of think of first when you think of like Slavic culture? Slavic culture. Well, for me, I think I would have a bit of a biased opinion, but for me, Slavic culture is largely around the Slavic church, at least for me. Like I go to a Russian Baptist church, and so a lot of my Slavic culture and identity does come from the Russian Baptist church and our youth group. But I would say foremost, Slavic culture is big on food, big on fellowship i would say the community in the slavic culture is very strong i think there's a lot that unites the slavic culture especially like predating to like soviet union times and fighting through hardships especially in like the christian culture there was a strong tie there and um music is really cool slavic music i wouldn't say i'm like very well voiced in the slavic culture in general i know i know the culture from what i've seen in the russian community and the ukrainian community and so that's pretty much how far i go cool so have you been to like because you said right now you go to like a russian baptist mm -hmm. church right have you been to like an american style church so growing up we went to an american church that had a Ru russian congregation within it 
And so when a lot of Russians moved here to St. Louis, they started um, one church in Christie Park, and there was like this one big church, and then that eventually split into two churches, and I guess it also kind of split into a congregation. And so like the Russian congregation I was part of was part of a bigger American church called Cornerstone. And so we had experience growing up like we've seen american services and stuff we often would do like joint services or something in our church and stuff like that and then for a large part of my time like before i joined the russian church um the russian congregation had like disbanded i would say like five five years ago and so we just decided to stick with the american church we were with so i've i've been going to an american church for a good good part of my life Okay, so how, well, first of all, would you say that your specific Russian Baptist church is like a dis, like a very Russian, like, like culturally? So, I guess like the distinctions between Russian churches definitely comes with in how conservative you are. And so, you definitely have some Russian churches that are extremely conservative in views on like what you can wear, um what you can wear, what you can sing, what you can do in church, stuff like that. Like, that's a lot where the conservative views come in. I would say my church is moderately conservative. I wouldn't say they're overly conservative. They've definitely done more to, like, assimilate to today's culture and today's youth more so than other Russian churches I've seen. Which would be more like high church. Do you know what what I mean by that? Like, like, let's say, like, like Lutherans and Catholics would be, like, good examples of, like, Gen- generally like high churches so like it'll be like very like formal liturgical the priest will wear like specific robes yeah is that sort of what you mean yeah and so like the russian church started right during soviet time so there was a lot of persecution in there and there came up from that there came a lot of like cultural practices and this and that not necessarily from the persecution but within that church like a lot of cultural practices were made and so a lot of those had carried over and some churches do a lot more to follow those to a T than other churches. So like in if you're comparing like to an orthodox church where they like the clergy have certain things they have to wear, right? And like priests, I would say like more conservative Russian churches would have like the pastors always wearing a suit and tie. Um everyone's coming very well dressed. Like you would you would rarely see anyone coming in jeans or something like that. And where, like, in most American churches, I would say that's pretty common. And, like, I've seen a lot of people even wear, like, shorts or something to church. Which, in today, like, at least in my Russian church, would be, I wouldn't say frowned upon. I would say frowned upon, especially for the ladies. Like, there's definitely, like, a higher standard for females and how they dress and whatnot. But definitely for males as well. Like, they want you coming to church dressed appropriately. Interesting. How about like the differences? So you said like a specific like culture, like the Russian church. Like what do you say like? And you said that you grew up in a in an American church for a while. So mm-hmm. what would you say are like the big differences between at least your specific Russian church and then like the general American? General American church, which is a very overgeneralization. <laughs> but like I mean like your general like non-denominational. Yeah, yeah, American. I see what you're saying. Um, I think in general like. Other than the cultural practices and whatnot and how strict and formal they are, I would say there's a lot of American churches that are not very formal, like at least the ones I've been to. Like, My church isn't necessarily this way, but a lot of Russian churches don't allow like drums or like an electric guitar up there. 
Like it's usually just um, a classical piano and that's the only thing playing and like the whole church will sing. But mostly I would say services are, I don't want to say that the sermon isn't the main focus of the sermon, but I would say the sermon is not, is not meant to be like the highlight. And at least the way my, my church does it is we have, so three different speakers during the whole, the, the whole sermon, it's, I mean, during the whole time of service. And so I would say the biggest part of sermon is often the singing. And so like, there's a lot of singing. Like if you ever go to a Russian church, you'll notice that there, there's a lot of songs they sing. So like before church start, starts, we'll sing like three to four songs. Then one person will speak for 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes. And then we'll sing like three or four songs. And then in between that time, they often give people the opportunity to go up there and do some kind of, not presentation, but some kind of performance, I would say. like, But obviously, I mean, you're performing for the Lord, but it, um, like someone would go out there and sing a duet or all Christian songs or play a piece on piano, um, read a poem, stuff like that. So like the floor is open to people like going up there and doing that sort of stuff in between services on top of like the whole church singing in addition. In terms of beliefs, I would say... 99 to nine like 99 percent of uh, russian churches carry an arminian view meaning you could lose your salvation and that's very different from what most american churches like most american churches i would say like in the broadest sense of the term are reformed in their beliefs they're separate from uh catholic and i know chris you have a very specific definition for reformed but in the bro- in the broadest sense i would say most american churches would carry some sort of reformed view in that it's different from the Catholic Church, different from Orthodox churches and whatnot. And I I wouldn't say there's a difference in how they hold scripture. I would say the scripture is still like um, a big big focus in the Russian church. But um, you can definitely see and hear a lot more um, allegories or like personal anecdotes in sermons like there's a lot more um not du- not direct expository preaching if that makes sense like there's a lot less of expository preaching like going verse by verse and explaining what it's saying and more so like allegorical or like they're summing up the what the passage is talking about cool thanks for sharing yeah and i actually i i, I think that a lot of american churches are like that too that they'll really? yeah like not you will you'll, you'll 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 find some churches who are very expositional. Mm-hmm. You'll also find a ton of ch- churches who aren't nearly as expositional. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it sounds like you guys are fairly similar to Lutherans and Catholics in some in some senses. Mm-hmm. But cool, appreciate you sharing. Yeah. And and then I think I think you brought up to me before um, that like everyone's an elder, like all, all the men are elders. Is that <laughs> is that? Yeah. So the way they do. The Russian church, at least my Russian church, I don't know if others do it differently. From all the ones I've seen, you have what's called a Bratska. And so the only equivalent of that in the American church, I won't say the only, but the broadest sense of it is the elder board and where the Bratska will get together. And Bratska in Russian literally just means brothers or brotherhood. And so Bratska get together, they have meetings, they do like they decide a lot of the financial side of the churches, big church decisions like You'll have a Bratska meeting, and the Bratsky will 
the Baratia will like get together, decide what's going on. They'll have a vote, some something like that. And so like the sisters will meet together too, but more, it's more so the brothers deciding in what direction the church is going, different church issues, different church topics. Like if a missionary's coming and the church is wondering how much money they would give them, the Baratska get together they and decide on that. So that's that's basically like the structure of a Russian church. You have the Bratsky and then you have the head pastor. And at least in my church, the head pastor believes that all men should be ready at uh, any moment to like preach or give a testament of your faith. And that comes from a Bible verse. But I do believe personally that they pull that out of context and they, and they in its broadest sense, decide to apply that to that all Bratsky should be able to preach on any Sunday. And so that should give you an idea of the type of preachings would be coming out of that. So you're saying that basically, like any man, uh, might be at the pulpit, who's yeah. a member. Do, who's a, who's a you, member of the church? Okay, so you guys who, do the membership. Yeah, and the pastor obviously, like he's not going to send any guy up there, but the pastor. All, is ultimately <laughs> a 10 year old boy you come and, and yeah, teach you, us you the word today you come and preach what you've been learning <laughs> <laughs> no no it's 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 not like that like i didn't mean it for it to sound like that but it's the pastor is the one i mean ultimately deciding who goes up there but he, it's usually someone from the Bratsky who will go up there and preach. oh okay yeah okay so but and then how many people are in the the Bratsky? <laughs> <laughs> for our church i would say it's around 20 20 okay. men mm-hmm. and so whatever family is in the church and is a member of the church all the men are considered bratia mm. yeah okay so and it's not the biggest church then. it's like no, no 20 families by no means yeah are There's, you wait, are you a bratia yeah i am i'm a brat i'm an official brat in the church so i became a member in the church over the summer cool this past summer yeah I thought you said that, um, so this is like outside of, I, I, th- I thought you said you were only like a true man if you got married. Is that the case in, in the Russian church? <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> I, think you told me, I think you told me that. No, no, I wouldn't say you're like a true man. No, I I think maybe what I was talking about no, was No, I know, your... I'm like exaggerating <laughs> what you were saying because it's funny. No, you're good. They, so we have a word, molodyosh, which just means youth. And so if you think about youth group, for most Americans, that means up until you graduate from high school. But for the Russian church, it's generally you're considered part of the youth group until you're married. And so you're not considered like, I wouldn't say an adult, because like, like, there's definitely adults out there that aren't married. And But yeah, you're still considered maladyosh, which is kind of like a funny thing. Like, yeah, if you're like 70 year old and not married, like you're not actually considered maladyosh, but generally you're considered maladyosh up until you're married. So there's definitely a pressure out there to get married and get out of the molodyosh. Are you married? I'm not. Come on, man, what are you doing? <laughs> no, what what are you kidding. doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, I sort of wanted to, well, b- before I transition, I just wanted to ask you for your favorite Russian word. My favorite Russian word? Ooh. Dude, I don't know. Just choose one that would sound funny to me. Oh, that would be funny to you? Yeah. Um... I don't know, dude. Here, wait. Let me let me think. Okay, what what's the word for elephant? Elephant slon. What about for like giraffe? Giraffe. Pretty sure it's just giraffe. I I I don't know. I think I think it's either giraffe or giraffe. Okay, what about for 
Bazooka. Bazooka? I think I think it would just be bazooka. <laughs> okay, okay, we're gonna transition. That was that was that was good enough. I'm, okay, uh, satisfied with that. I'm satisfied with that answer. Okay, so I sort of wanted to to ask you like if you had to, and I'm totally throwing you on, on the spot here, but if I had to ask you for just something that like most people don't don't know about you, that's a pretty integral part of who you are. Like a pretty like if you if you, if you told me. Uh, if you told, told me that, I'd be like surprised. Like, really? Like, would you say that there's something like that or something at least near to that that you would like to like, talk about or not really? Um, I would say like the biggest thing that comes to mind is like, I would say I'm a pretty outgoing person. So like people kind of expect me to like, um, be pretty extroverted. But I would say in most cases, like, I'm kind of introverted as well in that like I love being outgoing and like hanging out with people but like I'm still totally okay with just like hanging like doing something by myself or like I don't know if that, that's the right term like hanging out by yourself or something like that like just be like I'm totally okay with being okay and like most people would assume that's like you, you being lonely but like for me that's like personal personal like just fine like I'd be okay just hanging out by myself for a night or something like that. So you're you're saying that you'd probably seem very outgoing, but you don't mind like being um, like by yourself. Like, yeah, you don't, yeah, yeah. You don't... I, I like I think I have a more outgoing personality. Like I can I think I can strike a strike up a conversation with anyone who's willing. So I would say most people are like kind of scared to strike up conversations, especially with people they don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, like at least with my personality, I think I can like talk with people very easily. I'm not like. S- socially afraid to go out and talk with people but i'm also perfectly fine with like not talking with people if that makes sense and then when you say that people are like what i thought you were like i thought you loved talking to yeah, people. yeah, yeah. You just no, seem like that. i'll, I'll I'd, I'd like explain to someone that like i just like watched a movie by myself one time and they're like dude what you're not like hanging out with people and i'm like no dude i just i just i was like i was i got kind of too much people you know like too many people around me sometimes and you just need like a social break sometimes and like almost not rewind, but just calm down mentally, I would say. Fair. Yeah. I'm going to do another small, like, transition, but, um, how, how was your, like, childhood, like, like, how was your upbringing, like, um, if you had to sort of describe it in any way, or you can talk about, like, your parents or your siblings, if you have any. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, growing up, I, uh, so there's, like, I would say three parts of my life that like made my life, I guess part of my testament would be like that help, like that God used to help point me towards him would be that I, when I was like, um, I have a twin sister. So, um, that was a big part of my life. And the reason that was big was like growing up, I always had, um, first of all, a friend and just a person to go through stuff with. And she she became a Christian way earlier in my life, and so she she just has a large effect on me and like, um, what do I do with my life and stuff. So I love her very much. Shout out to you, Kate, if you're listening. <laughs> but um, another part of my life was that my parents were divorced when I was six, so that had a big effect on my childhood as well. And that my mom was the main one raising me, so we would go and see our dad probably every two weeks like on the weekend and then once we got cars it it became pretty rare and then like recently we've started hanging out more often and stuff so that's been good but um yeah as in my childhood like my mom had the biggest effect on raising me and then thirdly um 
was that my mom was Christian and our family was Christian on my mom's side. And um, so that had a big effect on me growing up. So we grew up in the church, like we were going to Sunday schools. We were going um, to Bible studies and whatnot. So that had a big effect on my childhood. So I would say in that those three scenarios, um, personally, I felt that that definitely like pushed me to be more of a leader in my family. Um, just because I never really had a, a dad, like every step of the way, like taking charge and like showing me right from wrong. God had definitely provided a lot of spiritual and wise men in my life, including my uncle, of course, and different like, um, people in the American church and whatnot that I looked up to heavily and that had a strong effect on my life. But, um, for the most part, it was, there was a lot of mistakes and kind of just learning from yourself and like learning personally. I mean, obviously my mom was there every step of the way, but there's only so much like there. I always, I never felt like a, a connection. I felt like my twin sister had with my mom. And I always thought it was just because like she was a girl and I was a guy, but yeah, that definitely had a big effect. And then I also have a younger brother who, um, I don't, I don't know if he had a big effect on me, but it was definitely like in the younger years, like we were playing around, play fighting a lot, kind of bullied him a bit, but, but yeah, that, that was basically my childhood. And then, I mean, that led to a lot more. I don't know if you want me to like get into that. You can share whatever you want. I mean, I could just share like the whole testimony, but that Do you would want take to? a bit. I mean, I can, That's unless you have like specific questions you want to ask. No, about bro, that. you're leading man. <laughs> so, uh, testimony wise. Like what I kind of said was my family, my mom took it, kept us going to church. Um, but the life I lived on Sunday was very different from like the life I lived for the rest of the week. And I just remember like clear moments when I'd be at church and like we'd all be singing. And I like I look over, I see Kate, my sister, just like really, really going ham on these lyrics. I'm like, dude, why, why, why are we singing? Like, what, this is so pointless. Like, I honestly, like, I, I just remember those moments in my childhood where, like, I really thought about what we were doing in church and how it just made no sense to me. And I would say part, like, part of me growing up always knew a God existed, but I never understood the point of church. I never understood the point of worship. I never understood the point of, like, living this different life or this quote-unquote holy life right and so in middle school that ultimately turned into me coming to the fence and being like all right Nick so you kind of just been faking this church life it's either you become a Christian and like fully delve into that or um you just step away from that because you're just being two-faced at this point and I really didn't want to do that anymore and so I came to a point where where I just decided not to go to church anymore and so I made that decision and I just fully focused on my friends at school. I focused on, I was always like academic focused guy. Like I always wanted to do good in school, but it didn't, it wasn't my priority anymore. My priority was like becoming popular or uh, just getting in with the right crowd and whatnot. And so, were you public school? Yeah, public school, public school. And so throughout middle school, I was on the football team. I played volleyball, like. I was a very chubby kid up until seventh grade, and then eighth grade year, I finally hit a little growth spurt, got a little peach fuzz on my face. I was feeling like a man, you know, so started talking to the ladies, got involved with, with like, the 
the wrong crowd at school. And so that right away just had a really bad influence on me. I started vaping pretty heavily and started getting in with the wrong crowd, just going to these parties and whatnot. And uh, yeah, that ended up just flown into freshman year of high school and it just got kept getting worse and worse. And with that came a lot of depression because I knew what I was doing was wrong. Like there was, there was never a part of me that doubted that God was, God was real. Like I, uh, I always had that part of me that believed God was real, but, um, I hated the fact that it felt like he was controlling over my life. And that like represented itself in in my mom for sure, because she always tried to keep me on the right path, like telling me right from wrong. And you know, as all teenagers do, they want to be independent and experience that for themselves instead of being told what not to do. And so I did. I just I wanted to experience all of that for myself. And so I uh, I kept hanging out with the wrong crowd. It kept getting worse and worse, and so did my depression. And um, I was just so sad all the time. And uh, I remember just nothing being, being able to fill that, you know. And so... Through that point and through most of middle school, I was actually working with my uncle on a construction company. And I was doing like the dirty work of the job. Like it, it really was not fun labor. I was cleaning up trash and at the work sites. I was sweeping. I was I was kind of like his personal servant. I know I know he'd hate to hear me say that, but it, that's definitely what it felt like. I, I was just doing all the odd jobs that no one else really wanted to do or no one else had the time or energy to do. And so I would go to work sites, clean up, and but because of that, I was spending a large part of my time with him actually, and so we would go to the job sites together. And I'd be sleeping over at his house a lot, and so in the mornings, I saw that he was always reading the Bible, and it, there was literally not a morning that I did not see him either reading some commentary by Spurgeon or like being in the Word. And so eventually, uh, he just started inviting me to participate, and this actually like picked up my summer before freshman year. And I just remember like over and over having the same conversation, and um, the conversation was this: that God had created us to worship Him and glorify His name solely. Like that was the point of why we were created. Like why did God create human beings? Why did God create a Garden of Eden with all this beauty and creation? And why did he create us, right? And so the ultimate reason, at least from what he told me, was that we were made to worship and glorify the living God. And I was like, what? What, what does that mean? Like, how does that make any sense? Like, why would we be created just so we, like, just so we can't do what we want? Like, we have to actually, like, follow this guy's rules. And then he, he kept going with that. And he said that we can try and fill that void in our lives with anything we want other than God. So you can think of anything like drugs, sex, money, anything you shove in that hole in your heart, you can try to fill that void. But he ultimately said that like nothing would fill that void in me and it would only be just Jesus Christ. And um, yeah, like I didn't really think about what he was saying back then, but I remember like the deepest moments of my depression, like that thought just coming back to me. And I was like, man, is that really what I'm missing? Like, am I really just missing Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ about to make all of this go away? And a part of me did not want to believe that. Like a part of me wanted to say that like, man, it's going to be good once you uh, graduate high school, once you get into a good college, it's going to be good once 
you uh, talk with more girls, it's going to be good once you drink more, you know, start smoking more, you know. And uh, and I, I, like, I fed those doubts in my mind that it wasn't Jesus Christ, and so I just kept going, and I never... I never gave that thought more more time, I guess. <laughs> so, that following summer after my freshman year, um, I was invited to this Russian camp. And so this Russian camp had been going all my life. I just never, never had been before. And the Russian youth from, I would say like five to six different states from the Midwest and other states would come to this middle of nowhere Missouri on these campgrounds called Living Springs and have camp and like it was just a whole week of fun Russian church I would say like there's a lot of structure still like there's a lot of conservative views still at that camp but it was just a lot of fun like people it was just your normal like um, Christian camp and that year I decided to volunteer as a sports helper and um, just, that just meant like we were uh, helping out with sports games with for the kids and stuff. And that whole week, we were going to, they had evening services every night. So people would dress up and there'd be someone preaching every night. And I just remember like my heart feeling so heavy. And it was different than the depression because like depression, it felt like I didn't, I couldn't feel the weight of it. Like I, I knew, I knew I was depressed. I knew it, it felt heavy on my mind, but like, I never felt it on my heart before. It, it was, it was kind of like this feeling, like, I don't know if you, like, if you guys know what I'm talking about, but like right before you cry, like you feel that heaviness on your heart. Like you feel like that, like, um, like that part in your throat start like hurting. Do you know what I'm talking about? And like, well, it's I, like I don't cry. No, I'm yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, no, I'm I know. Christian Manley, man. <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, that's what it felt like, and it just kept growing. And it, but it, it was like it was like literally on my heart. I don't know. It was the weirdest feeling, but I knew it was the Holy Spirit. Like, just part of me was just telling me, like, that's the Holy Spirit trying to trying to get to you. And finally, I don't even remember the sermon that night, but um, everyone. Ended up hanging out and playing volleyball that night afterwards. And so I just went back early to my cabin. And no one was in there. Like, lights were off. And uh, I just fell on my knees. I didn't even know what to pray at that point. But I knew the only answer was Jesus Christ. And so that's what I prayed. I was just like, God, I feel this weight on my chest. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's my sin. I don't know if it's the life I've been living. But I just cannot get rid of it. And... I've turned to everything but you at this point. So God, just please help me. And it was really that. Like I I had in a way hit rock bottom. Like I finally decided that there was no other options I could go to. And so I prayed the prayer. And I felt the weight lift off my shoulders. And it's a feeling unlike anything else. Like you can't describe this feeling unless you felt it yourself. And no, I didn't get like a halo over my head. I didn't hear this angelic choir singing around me, serenading me, you know. But um, it really felt like that in my heart. Like it, it honestly felt like I had a brand new heart. And that is what scripture tells us, that God turns our heart from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And that's what I felt like. And so I knew right away that I'd be, been saved. Like there was no other feeling that could just like, there's no other word that could describe that. Like I was saved now. I was 
part of God's family. And so the following day, I was super happy, you know, I, I like I came to my mom, I was like, Mom, I repented. And you know, she started crying and stuff, you know how moms do. And um, she told me, Nick, like, we got to get you baptized. Let's go. Like, we got we to gotta plan this now. And I was like, all right, let's go. Let's go. I'm down. And so I actually found out that my brother had repented during service as well, which I was super excited for. So we decided to get baptized together. And so about three months later, we there's a, there's a river here in St. Louis called Merrimack River. And a lot of Russians did their baptisms there. And so if you can imagine it, it's end of October, freezing cold. We're wading into this water. It's a Russian stream, like mud and stuff at the bottom, but I don't know, it just felt, it felt so cool. Like it was like freezing cold water, but we, everyone was like gathered here to see this baptism. And yeah, I got baptized in the river, which was insane by my um, old American pastor, Pastor Terry. And yeah, that was, that was my baptism. And, um, I guess, I mean, there's a lot that happened in my life afterwards, and I think it'd be like, I, I don't know if I would have the structure to go through it all, but yeah, that's that's pretty much my testimony. And so, do you like, still hear the angel choirs and all that stuff? Like, is that... Oh, is, I wish. Is, is it like ringing? <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. And I know for anyone who's who's repented, they they know what I'm talking about, like this this amazing feeling of being close to God, but unfortunately, like all emotions do, they do fade away, but um, what doesn't fade away is your salvation, and what doesn't fade away is that heart of flesh, and there's been many moments already where you can feel distance from God, if it's from a trial in your life, if it's from sin, if it's from your own flesh, but um, God's always there, you know, and like, um, once you get back into scripture, you feel that closeness with him again. And so, yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks for sharing, man. Yeah, man. I, uh, I appreciate it. It's interesting to see, like, just how uh, diverse people's experiences to being saved are. I had a similar conversation with someone recently, and we were talking about how, like, some people, they... They, uh, they're saved, like, the, the means that God uses to save them is, like, their sin. Like, oh, they're very convicted of their sin. Other people, like, it's, like, the grace, you know, like, uh, oh, wow, like, I, I didn't know that there could be a God who could forgive all my sins. Mm-hmm. And then just, like, the different situations and scenarios, people have different particular, like, particulars and beliefs on specifically how it happens. But, you know, God does save people, and it's really, really cool. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, uh... I appreciate your story. Is your so I it sounds like your mom and your siblings are saved. Is your dad saved? Um I don't know. It's a tough question. Personally, I don't I don't believe so. I don't believe he's saved. But um I mean they they were they they've been going to church for a bit, but again, I, I don't know. Like I'm not God. I can't I ultimately can't give that answer. I truly hope he's saved and I pray for him every day that he will be saved. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not, you're not, are you close to your dad? Not really. I would say we're close. Like, it's not, it's not like I never talk to him or anything like that. We have a lot of, sim- like, very similar interests. Like, we love a lot of the same stuff. And so, I mean, every time we hang out, it's it's a good time. Like, I definitely love him a lot. And I talk to him whenever 
I can and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we're totally distant to the point where we, where we don't talk, but mm-hmm. we do, we do, we do talk every now and then. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm as close to him as I am with my mom. Definitely not. Were there any like, I'm sort of switching the topic a little, but it's basically like still on the same train of thought. Uh, were there any like in- interesting things that, like you did as like that you that your family did growing up? What do you mean? Like cold, like it can be anything culture. Cultural. Like I have a friend who I actually the guy who I, who I who I interviewed last. Like they would sing together all the time. Right? Really. Yeah. So. Family wise, like I would say our family's just like abnormally close to each other. Like more so. I don't know, it's like we, we're we always together, like still to this day, like we do a lot of stuff together. I, I so, think, wait, so you're, you're saying your, fa- your family, but not your dad? Yeah, yeah, okay. like my mom, my mom's mom side and of the your family. siblings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we're all like really close, we do a, like pretty much every um, holiday together. There's, there's a lot of like Russian celebrations and stuff in the church and I mean... I, I wouldn't say we have, like, any, like, family traditions or something that, like, really sets us apart. We all love playing volleyball together. We we definitely sing songs together. Mm. Cooking together. We do a lot. We, we do a lot together. What do you guys cook? Cook. A lot of Russian food. But, um... Like, what are some classics? Classic Russian food? Classic, or classic food. Classic or Russian food. Man, you have your soups, svikolnik, borscht. There's a lot of there's a lot of soups you can make. Some of them don't honestly don't even have names. Like Russians can literally just throw like, you got you got your basic ingredients right. You got potatoes, carrots, onions, water, and then you throw in some kind of meat in there. Get a little broth going, and then you got a soup. You throw in you throw in some other veggies and stuff like that. A lot of Russian soups love using cabbage. Like for borscht, you're using either cabbage or kisla kapusta, which is sour cabbage, um, or like I wouldn't say sauerkraut, uh, like yeah, like pickled cabbage, and then a lot they love using beets. So beets is in a lot of foods as well. Like um, there's beets with soup, uh, soup with beets. Then you have like um, uh, what's it called? I can't think of it. Uh, sh- Shuba, shuba, which is literally like, I don't, I don't want to say casserole, but it's like it's a layered dish with like beets, eggs, mayo, potatoes, and this fish um, called siliotka, which is I, I believe herring, in uh, English. So it's it's really good. It's definitely a hit or miss. Like if you don't like like salty fish, then I would not recommend it. But I would recommend like trying all this. Then you have like kareska markovka. So where could one go to try it? Like you just have to cook it yourself. So there's actually a great spot here in St. Louis called Troy, which is it's more Mediterranean style, but like um, there's a few Russian-speaking people that own the shop and cook there. And so there's a, ru- a lot of Slavic foods, like like Slavic stuff there. And then you have like you can get Russian foods like Global or Balkan, um, yeah, stuff like that. There's like even a Russian bar here called Historia. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Ha- have Have you ever seen Forrest Gump? I have. Okay. So, uh, for anyone listening, I would not recommend that. Like, as as a Christian, I can't faithfully recommend Forrest Gump. <laughs> but but if you have seen it, like I I, I, I when you're sort of listening like the foods and like yeah. the beats and the whatever else yeah. you know, of the scene, like the shrimp, the shrimp. <laughs> you it was like you can boil them, you, you can, can fry, fry them, shrimp, coconut shrimp. shrimp. 
shrimp sandwich, shrimp, shrimp on the pot. <laughs> yeah, that's I'll, I'll, that was sort of going through, through my head as, <laughs> as you said that. So no, I, just, I just had to have to mention. Fair. Yeah. Right, I'm going to make a small. Oh, also, just real quick. Uh, also, to anyone listening, if you're a single lady looking for a husband, Nick here can cook. <laughs> so that, <laughs> no, um, Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> you, can, you, can talk, you can contact me if you're looking. Uh, no. Um, uh, and then real quick before I transition, I just wanted to hear you say a few more words in Russian. So, no, no, wait. So I have, I have a sentence for you. Okay, okay, okay. Say... I was attacked by a huge octopus. Dude, octopus? What's the word for octopus? Um, here, wait. I'm going to have to Google Translate octopus real quick. I honestly don't remember that. Okay. No. Yeah, that's... I mean, you live in St. Louis. So uh-huh. my um, my general... Like, I'm, I'm from Miami. So okay. In um, Miami, we, we, do, uh, like, we do see octopi. Okay. Know? But in St. Louis, last time I checked, there isn't really much of a, of a sea, you know, to like check them. Oh, Asminog. But Shoya Asminog, I guess you could just say Bilminya. It was hitting me. <laughs> it was hitting me. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, desire to listen to you speak Russian has been satiated. Okay. Satiated. So I, I sort of wanted to hear more about... Sort of like, well, I'm going to transition. So we've, we've spoken a lot about your past. I want mm-hmm. to talk a little bit about your, your future. Okay. Like, what's what's the goal, like, five years out? Five years out? So in terms of school, that would mean graduate from um, college and hopefully move on to the military. I think that's, that's kind of where I see my path going right now. Either military or HPSB program for college. And so for those of you don't, who, who don't know that, that's like the military program that will pay for your med school in, mm, in exchange for sense. four years of service after residency. And so at this point, that's kind of what my mind has been set on. I don't know if there's another path that I guess God's you don't want to go into debt. Is that sort of yeah, yeah, that's the biggest thing is like covering the debt. So you would work for four years. Wait, so would it be like you go into med school first or you go into that first? So depending which pro- style of program you do, they have the HBSB program and then they have another program. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it. So you could do either. Yeah, so HBSB would be you go to a civilian med school, civilian residency. And so the application process, you apply for HBSB after you get into a med school. And then um, if you get in, then they pay for med school, they pay for residency, and then you're obligated by contract to serve four years in the military What's as a doctor afterwards. Okay. And then um, the one I was more looking towards, there's a med school, I believe in Maryland or Virginia, that's actually a U.S. like mm-hmm. like a U.S. military med school. And so you go there, get your MD from there, do a residency that the the military assigns, and then you serve four years. So how much time would it be then, like, before you were out of obligations with school, res- with, the, with school residency and with the military? You'd, you'd be, like, in your mid-30s, right? Yeah, probably. If I don't, if I do a fellowship afterwards, it'd be even longer, but at this point, it'd be, like, I'd be around 34, 35 when I'm done. Interesting. Which is crazy. Which, I mean, <laughs> it is a little crazy, but I mean, if you want to do that, because like different people value different things with their lives. Like some people are like, 
yeah, you just have to get out of school when I'm like 18. Right. And then I just have to be able to like be free, uh, do my own business, be very like like independent. Mm-hmm. Like like the, and then there's other people who like they stay in academia, their entire lives. For sure. Or, or like they're like in school until like they're 30 or 40. Yeah. And I I mean like some people don't like that. Other people really like it. I mean honestly like, just really so like why what, why do you want to do that? Like what what calls you out with, with that specific plan? For military, it's more so, like, I think I've always had, like, a general interest in the military and, like, in fighting for this country and whatnot, but the most appealing thing is obviously the money and that they'd be paying for med school that I don't have to worry about debt after, um, after med school. And I know a lot of doctors don't do that route, and a lot of doctors, if you plan right, you can, most doctors pay out off the debt, like, two years into becoming a, um, into becoming like a fully licensed doctor after residency. Like most, most docs can cover their debt in that amount of time. But I'm also, I also don't like to think about like that cloud hanging over me. Like personally knowing myself, I, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know, like dealing with debt is kind of weird, you know, like you know, you know you're paying it off, you know this amount of money is going away every every time you get a paycheck towards this debt, you know? And I per- personally, I just much rather have that carried, uh, uh, covered and you don't have to worry about that once you become a doctor. Interesting. Do you think that growing up, that was sort of like a value instilled in you? Like, don't go into debt. Oh, for sure. Like, my mom was definitely very big on that. I mean, my mom worked like three jobs during college to cover her college, to cover the cost of us, on top of any other loans or debts she she came out of from the divorce. So, I mean, my mom is probably like the ultimate example of like diligence and just covering- And avoiding like, debt. debt. Yeah, and avoiding debt. Interesting. Which is funny to say like, I don't know if she'd agree with me now, but um, but yeah, like she, she has a very strong personality, I would guess, like I guess you could say to just cover, cover um, Cover your debt, like work hard, pay things off, work hard now, and make life better for yourself in the future. Interesting. Yeah. Because I've, yeah, there, there are definitely a bunch of different views that I've heard, especially coming to the church that I go to, there are a lot of people who are very, like, anti-debt, like, just debt, like, like a lot of people, like, I think a lot of Christians or some, some of them will view debt as sort of, a, as like, a, like, it's like a very, like, not sinful thing, but it's, it's just like, well, why are you sort of, like... Like, it, like, they would look at it as, like, a really, like, bad thing. Like, why in the world are you putting yourself in, in debt to, like, the government and to right, people? Right. Like, it's just irresponsible, whatever. Yeah. And then I've heard people, other people say that, oh, well, if you use debt strategically, like, you can actually, like, save a bunch of money. Hmm. Because inflation. Right. So, like, let's say that you buy a house right now, even though, like, that's not a very good idea because of the, the rates have gone up. But that's a different conversation. So, like, if you buy a house right now, and you sort of have a set amount that you pay for it, right? So with inflation, especially with inflation as high as it is, the money that you owe, it becomes less and less because inflation sort of destroys it. Mm-hmm. So as long as you have the, a constant paycheck and you consistently pay it, like if, if you were to delay it 30 years, what you're paying for is worth a lot, like the debt's a lot less than it was before. No, I fully agree with that. And like, it's, it, it's especially good for like right now with like the way the market is right now. But I mean, you are almost planning ahead in that um, inflation will continue, like will continue. And you're also betting upon the fact that you're gonna have a solid paying job for the next 30 years, you know, like 
none of that is guaranteed, first of all. But I also know, like, yeah, like, obviously the market's just going to keep inflating as there continues to be a growing population, a growing economy. Like, inflation just keeps going, you know. So, I don't know. Like, personally, I'm, I'm, I, w- I don't think I'd be okay with dealing with that debt for that long. So, mm-hmm. that's at least, like, personally for me. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's just interesting to yeah. see the different perspectives. The one that I, both the perspectives are ones that I've heard a lot. So, mm-hmm. it's just interesting you know to hear how people approach yeah such like big things in, for sure in life yeah but um so your mom had you guys while she was still in school yeah so she, she wouldn't like she was going through her master's program when um i believe we were born so like she after, had twins yeah <laughs> it's like you don't have a kid in school has twins yeah no it was rough and um and I mean, we were six when like she eventually like got to uh, when when my parents were divorced. But um, yeah, like she was she was working her 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 tushy off to to like get um get everything covered, which which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and that she like worked hard for her and her kids. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also wanted to sort of. I asked you like five years. You also spoke a little bit in terms of like career within the next like decade or so. What about like long term? Like let's say that you're like sixty years old. Sixty. And you like look back at your life. Like what are the things that you want to be? Apart from like if you have any answer. Apart from like if you have any answers regarding to like oh like I, I want people to say that I was like faithful like a faithful Christian like like, I can sort of figure enough from, <laughs> from you. But apart <laughs> apart from that like is apart there anything that. that you want to look back and just be like man like. Like, I'm glad I did that, or this is how I want people to, like, remember me as, or... Yeah. So, interesting. I have, like, a cool story from, like, my family in that my grandpa was definitely one of those people, like, you'd want to be where, like, you're 60 years old and looking back, you're like, man, I'm I'm, I'm happy I made the decision. I'm I awesome. Did. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so, when my family was still in the Soviet Union, my grandpa d- made the executive decision to uh, to leave Riga, Latvia, the former Soviet Union, like right before the the Soviet Union collapsed. And so he got my grandma, my mom, and my aunt out. My uncle was currently serving in the military, like mandatory service. And so he made that decision to get them out. And I would, from what I've heard, at least from my family, is that none of them were down for it like they were all like why why are we leaving like what's the point like our whole lives are here right and now looking back at it if they hadn't made that decision who knows where we would be like the like when when the soviet union collapsed there was like economic crisis in all of those countries and whatnot and there's there's just so much drama that happened from that and i mean the opportunities like america has given for our family is just insane and so like with that as an example, I definitely would want to look back in my life and in those moments of of a decision, I just, I mean, yeah, I hope I make the right one, you know? Like, I hope that I don't take in other people's view or what other people think is the right move. I hope that I foremost value, like, God's word and whatnot. And, like, it's cool that you said, like, um that, like, most Christians do want to value, like, if they later in their life that, uh, when they look back, they see a person who valued God's will over his own in every moment, you know? And, yeah, that definitely just speaks true for myself as, as well. Like, I, I hope I value 
God's will in my life and his word and direction. And I mean, I hope I hope I achieve the goals I want to achieve. I hope I eventually do become a doctor. And if I ultimately decide I don't want to become a doctor, I, I become whatever vocation I want to do, you know. And um, I hope that if I commit myself to a relationship such as marriage, that I'd be hopefully willing to stay faithful, you know, and raise a family, right? And which is kind of crazy to think about, but yeah, like that's that's the ultimate goal, you know. How, when would you be able to get married with like med school? I mean, technically any time, you know, but if, if, if you're serving in the military, it just makes things a lot harder. So I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know. If, if I decide to serve in the military, I mean, there's obviously a possibility to start a family out there, but it's, it's just going to be hard. I don't know. So I don't know. It's kind of a hard question. I, I really don't know. Like, I hope, I hope I wouldn't started super late but I'm also okay with waiting till like I'm 30 you know if, if it meant a better life for my family you know fair yeah appreciate your perspective different people have different like for sure yeah. I, I mean there's definitely like especially in the Russian culture like there's a strong um, push push to get married young get have children young like my grandma had um, my mom when she was like 18 you know so like it's definitely different over here. I, I've noticed there's a lot well, of people with... Depends on where you go. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I, I, know, I know some families. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, I definitely have seen older families, like, where, like, parents are parents are older than, yeah. I would say, in the Russian community. Yeah. What, what's the average... Uh, I, I was going to ask you some, something else, but I'm going to ask you this now because we're on the topic. What's the average family size in, like, your Russian... In the, like, you said the Russian Christian community? Average family size? There's definitely some big families in our Russian church that kind of skew the st- statistics, but um, like I would say immediate. the average average is around like three. Okay. Two to three. Which is which is more than your typical U.S. Yeah, I would say like three. Yeah. And what are some of the, what, what what do you define as like a bigger family? I'm just curious. <laughs> Uh, I would define a big family more than three, honestly. Really? I, I, I cannot say my... <laughs> I know Chris wants to have like 15 kids, but uh, no, yeah, I, I don't I don't see myself having more than three kids. I, I think that's I think that's a big family, more than three kids. Really? No, yeah. but at your church in particular, like what what are the big families? Like, the big families are like nine, ten kids. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, and that's, that's acceptable for yeah. to call a big family. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, if someone was like, yeah, we have a big family and they have like four kids. Four kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I would say like four is like big, at least personally, like that's bigger than it needs to be. Yeah, that's fair. But growing up, I mean, we, we can talk, we can have the biblical Yeah, right, right, right. I, I can tell you, you know, Psalm 127, yes, you know, yes. kids, happy is the man who fills his quiver with children. <laughs> but no, it's fine. Yeah. But no, that's a different conversation. So like growing growing up, like, like, I'm, I'm, like even in my particular... Like I'm just thinking of my of my elementary middle school that I was with like the same group of people mm-hmm. the the entire way. Um, I don't I can't name you a single family, in my entire class, like of of any like any of of the students in my class who had more than one sibling. Wow. So that's crazy. I grew up I grew up with like every family has two kids or less or maybe one. Wow. Yeah. So, um, that that's just like how I grew up. I think that's how the culture is going. So. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a strong 
cultural push against children. Like, I think most people just yeah, at like this point, fun. yeah, viewing children as kind of just the old ball and chain. Like, it's yeah. just gonna it stops your life, you know. I mean, and I mean, children. in a way, it's true, you know. Like, like once you do have children, like that does become your priority in the same way. Like, once you have a wife, like that does become your like yeah. your main priority as well, you know. Yeah, I've had different. Like I've I've been taught I've spoken to Christians like I watch you mm. who like I'm, I'm like yeah I I want to get married soon or like I'm planning on getting married like in the near future and and, and they're like okay well, that's a different conversation and then they're like dude what dude you're so young like you gotta have fun first <laughs> yeah like, exactly I'm like dude you're supposed to be a Christian bro like yeah, that's, yeah. Not, like, that's <laughs> not like the like I don't even know where to start with like responding to that <laughs> but um yeah I'm gonna transition a little bit from that that was a that <laughs> that was a, a um, a side thing, but I also wanted to bring up like a school here, like that your grand, that your granddad, he like just came. He was like, "All right, guys, yeah, we're heading, we're heading." Pack now. the bags, let's go. Pack the bags, let's go. Because my my family did, did something similar. Really, they were like, Computer. yeah, they were like, there's just so many opportunities in the U.S. and like here in Cuba, like, like what are we gonna do? You know? Right. And so like even like but like at the time it's such a hard such a hard thing because it's like well I'm so established here in in this place right mm-hmm. and we speak our own language we have, we have our own culture and now like <clears throat> it just sort of like blows that because of the government we sort of like it would be just better to leave the country leave everything that we know go to a new place with nothing mm-hmm. and not even know the language you know? right it's just a, a tough thing so yeah. school school here like it's cool to know people who also have family who have yeah. Don't do that. And we're the we're the products of of that, of that choice. Right. And it pays off. Like it pay, we're both going to wash you. For sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're both going to wash you. Yeah, so. praise God. Yeah. It pays off, you know. For sure. Um but yeah. Uh I'm gonna Oh, before I transition, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about whether you knew like your grand your your grandpa's experience coming to the US. Like whether like what he had, how was it for him, where did he go? So I don't know a whole ton, but like from what I heard um, here from, well, heard from him, he he passed away when I was like seven. But um, from what I understood from my family is when they first got here, they, I'm not even sure like how they actually ended up coming to St. Louis, but once they did come here, they got plugged into an American, like, um, not an American church, but this American family uh, ended up sponsoring them and provided them with jobs and provided them like with my mom uh, my mom with her first car um, his name was actually Don Wilson and he was um, so he he was known to help a lot of immigrants coming in um, and so that ended up like blessing my family a lot and they um, so they helped them find a house in the city and from there they moved to Chesterfield. I don't. I don't know the whole story, so I don't want to misquote it. But um, they eventually finished at Chester in Chesterfield. Mom ended up moving out. My mom, my mom's younger sister, my aunt, was ten years younger, so she ended up going to high school here and and then college. But it was a struggle for sure. Like I remember my mom telling me that my grandma would be crying like almost every night just because it's so hard. I mean, you come here with not knowing the language at all and there's def there was definitely a lot less resources back then to help immigrants than there are now 
and yeah like the whole assimilation process is very hard like it's a totally different culture here there's a lot of things that made their life difficult here but I mean they did it like they learned the language and it there's a lot of families that decide not to learn the language and like hold on to the their past cultures more strongly than I think they should to be honest like I, I don't think you should forget your culture but I think you should learn to grow in a new one you know but yeah that was kind of like a little nutshell of the whole how's your parents English English both very good because um, how old was your mom when she got here my mom was in her 20s when she got here oh, wow. yeah and so she she right away like she went like my grandpa held a very high standard for college and said like you have to get a degree here this and that like he pushed that pretty heavily and so did so did my grandma and so my mom ended up going to college here so none of her credits actually transferred she got a um a bachelor's equivalent in Ariga and when she moved here she had like none of that transferred over so she had to redo everything and then she ended up getting her master's she became an administrator in a school district and now she teaches ESOL, so her English is very good, like, um, for an for an immigrant. And my dad's very, very good as well. He's been working in um, the dispatching, like, the trucking business, so he's had to have a lot of, like, he's had to learn the language pretty well. So your, your family's really smart. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say they're, they're pretty smart. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes yeah. Sense. All right, cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, any... Sort of looking back at you and your family, so you can sort of sum up with like from anyone's perspective. But are are there any lessons that you have learned that you would like to share from like mistakes that you or your family ha have made in the past? Hmm. Interesting question. Um, yeah, because I, I heard a lot of family history. Yeah. So. I, it would seem like maybe there are some things that, you know, like if someone was in, a, in similar shoes, you would like recommend something. Yeah. In that sense. I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned from my family is that there's there's a lot of broken relationships in our family. Like if it's, if it's broken marriages, if it's broken friendships, this and that. And we've had a lot of broken relationships that got amended in our family and like that's ultimately I think why our family is so strong is that like at the end of the day like we understand that we're sinners and we're broken people but what really helps getting through those relational struggles is really that understanding that God calls us to unity in one spirit and I think that definitely helps with any family drama any friendship drama you have Obviously, it's a different story if that person doesn't have, hold the same values as you. But even for yourself, we're called to show love and Christ's love in every relationship that we're in. And so I would say like the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is at the end of the day, like your humility and your ability to show Christ's love in a relationship can often make or break that relationship. So cool. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> uh, there's there's a lot that I've sort of shared, or that I've that I've asked for about your, like your your family history, your history, but I wanted to hear more about like, what do you do for fun? Like, what do you like to do? Like hobby wise? Yeah. Um. 
one of the biggest things I love to do is play volleyball. Like, I love volleyball. Volleyball is one of my favorite sports. I would say, overall, hot topic, you know, but I think volleyball is the most entertaining sport to watch out of all sports. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I have a cough. What was that? What was that? No, no I, just, oh, okay. I, I just have a cough. Um, <laughs> anyways, I love volleyball. Played played high school and club. And, um during my high school years, now I'm playing for Wash U's club volleyball team. Overall, that's probably one of my favorite sports. Just love it. I love the community building aspect of it. Russians love their volleyball as well. Slavics do too. A lot, a lot of church people, I would say, love their volleyball too. Um, another thing I love to do is play guitar. Big guitar guy. Not, not like especially good at it, but definitely wanted to get better. Um, think that's like one of the cool things you can do like definitely by yourself and music in general I love listening to music I, I think I can listen to any type of music maybe not screamo to be honest but uh what's what's screamo? <laughs> can you explain to the audience what screamo is because I don't know I've never heard that before all right so if you think of like heavy metal I would say screamo would be heavy metal with screaming their lyrics so oh, yeah at like the top of their lungs though, Chris. Dude. Like just imagine like just like just just the whole time, like every all all of your lyrics. And yeah, I get it. Some people like it, but uh, I just could not listen to that. I, I really, it's hard for me to find the the musical beauty in that in the those lyrics. Though I do know some people who like that type of music. But yeah, I love listening to music in general, all types of different genres. If it's EDM, progressive house, European. Um, trance music and then you have your your blues your soul country classical rock classical music man and then all of those genres and then uh their russian equivalent I, there's a lot of ru good russian songs out there too um i know i do listen to a lot of russians with, i know uh, with like classical music yeah uh, what's your favorite classical artist uh, it's like uh, I forgot his name. It's like Tavolsky. Tavolsky. So it was something like that. I'm not. I I don't know a lot of classical artists, but he's like yeah, really I know popular. The Russians really really nice. Like his stuff's really popular. It's yeah. Like, is it? Did, did he make the o o overture like the one with like the cannons like, da da oh, whatever. No. <laughs> like, boom. Boom. Oh, and then also like the sugar plum. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like dance of the sugar plum. Dun 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 dun. Bum bum. Okay. Um, do you dance? Do I dance? Do you dance like? Um, I dance in my head a lot. I wish <laughs> I wish I was a better dancer. To be honest, I'm really not that good. My feet are not that talented yeah. in their uh, movement. Yeah. You know. You just have to practice, man. And, and, I know, dude, and uh, I see you swing dancing all the time. You know, I, I need to learn it. Dude, I'll teach you, bro. We just have to get some ladies. To yeah, we us. do need some ladies. If anyone's listening, wants to learn a little swing dance with me, I'm down. But uh, I like I like I like to dance. I think I like to get boogie with it. You know, right. feel the beat of the music. Well, in in, in a month we're we're gonna have a contra swing dance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'll come out to that. Cool, cool, cool. Um. And then I also wanted to ask you about um, how long have you been playing guitar for? Consistently, probably two years. 
but uh, inconsistently for like six. My dad is really good at guitar, so he's the first one who got me like introduced to it, got me into it. But um, yeah, like consistently, I would say like two years probably, around there. Cool. And um, has it been worth learning? Like, are you glad that you picked it up? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I mean, there's just a lot of uses for it too, like um, in church, especially with worship music and. Overall, I think it's just awesome to learn an instrument. I think it's great for mental health and whatnot. Yeah. It's really helpful, yeah. And um, when you say, like, volleyball community, like, what does that, like, look like? What do you mean? Well, earlier you were saying, like, one of the bigger aspects that you like about volleyball is just, like, the community. Oh, the community? I think just volleyball in general is one of those sports, it's... I mean, there's a net separating you from the opposing team like it's not a contact sport obviously and it's basically you and five other people on on one side of the net working together to try to get this ball back over and so I just think there's like a lot of lessons we can learn from it too and um, I think that's why it's really big in a lot of youth groups as well it's just it helps accelerate relationships I would say um, in general, I mean, there's obviously a lot of sports that do that. Sports in general definitely do that, like work on team building and stuff. But volleyball for sure. There's just di- a lot of different positions. Yeah. Cool. And you said that you play right now for the team. Mm-hmm. The club team. Cool. Oh yeah. So, you're you're a first year. How's your experience been so far at Washu? It's been pretty solid. Um, I definitely overbooked my schedule quite a bit, <laughs> as most freshmen do. So that's been quite the learning curve. But the community is really nice. Like I think I, there's definitely a big part of me expecting a competitive atmosphere out here, and that everyone's like very cutthroat. But that like to be honest, I've not seen that at all in like anybody. To be to be frank, but um. All my classes have been really cool. All the professors are really tight. Like, they really know what they're doing, most of them. <laughs> and uh, club scene here is really strong. Food here is amazing. Campus is beautiful. Blessed with this dormitory, like the mattresses. The mattress is honestly better than the one I had at home. So I, I have, like, I honestly started getting better sleep when I got here than really? I was at home. Yeah. That's fine. And, uh, yeah, I mean, everything... Overall, just a really good experience. Yeah. So, fun fact, I actually, like, I prefer to sleep on the floor. Really? So, there were a lot of nights where, like, I literally just, um, instead of sleeping, like, on my bed, I just sort of, like, went to the floor. Why? I don't know. Do You, you didn't like the mattress? The floor calls to me. <coughs> the floor calls to me? I, I really don't know. It's just weird. I just... I just sleep better sometimes, like, do, on the floor. Do you sleep, like, in a coffin like this? No. <laughs> no. Doesn't that hurt, though, like, if you're putting your shoulder on the floor? Dude, I, I don't know. It's, I mean, if I, I mean, I, I need a pillow. Okay. Like, I, I can't just have my, my head to the floor because then, like, my neck hurts. Right. But if I have a pillow, like, I sleep really well. On, like, Are you, like, on laying on your back when you do that? Yeah. Okay. Or, like, not always on, like, not, not always either. Easy. I don't know. But, yeah, that was just random. But, um, I was going to ask you... Um, something else, but it is sleeping my mind. Is there are there any other like interesting things? Oh, I remember now. Okay, actually, I'll, 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 I'll ask you. Um, so 
have would you say that for the most part you've you've ha- like had a wide um, like that you've been exposed to a lot of different like types of Christians or that you've sort of been like in like the Russian or like or, like general like American group like culture yeah so like I think I've been exposed to a lot more Christians recently like with college more so but also I've just been more outgoing lately and like especially with my Christian faith and stuff and exploring different communities but I mean in my childhood no I was not I was not really exposed to a lot of stuff like I've heard different types of Christianity I've heard different denominations never really knew what it meant but the Russian church is pretty streamlined in the type of Christian it attracts so you don't really see a lot of different types of Christians in the Russian church which I mean kind of makes sense I guess there's there's I mean, unless it's like a mega church, you're not really going to see a lot of different types of Christians in your church. But recently, yeah, I have. So has it been like interesting interacting with different like types of Christians like college? Yeah, it definitely has been. And I mean, one of my good friends here at college already is like Reformed Baptist. And so, I mean, through that whole process of like talking with him and stuff, I've learned a lot about different denominations and different ways church structure happens and different creeds churches follow and that in general has been a pretty big learning curve for me because Russian church doesn't really follow that same structure. Do you want to elaborate more on like the specifics of what you mean? Yeah, so I mean, I guess in general like if you look at most churches in America, they're part of a larger association. So like you have the PCA, like you have, um, like the, the large SBC, SBC, yeah, like there's there's so many out there, you know. I'm not really well voiced in a lot of them, but um, in general, each of those associations has their own set of doctrinal statements and creeds that they follow, and the Russian Church is not like that. Like we have an association, I would say, of like the Russian churches and like whoever's not in there in that association called like Adilione which just means like isolated and so like who, if you're not part of the, the part of that association you're considered like Adilione and then like from that comes a lot of different stuff but in general the association there's like Bratske from each of the churches in the Midwest will meet together I'm pretty sure in Minnesota and they can decide different um like larger church questions about doctrine or new pastors, stuff like that. But, I mean, in general, they don't follow, like, a doctrinal statement or something like that, like you would see. Like a, a confession? Of, yeah, like a confession of faith or, like, different like, confessions. Like the Westminster, the 1689 London Baptist. Right, exactly, or, like, the letters of Dort yeah. and so stuff like that. Okay, yeah, so you wouldn't necessarily refer to, like, the original Apostles' Creed sort of thing, because that's more of a general... Yeah, but yeah. you you talk more about, like, systematic theology. Right, right. Given, like, a specific, so, like, the 1689. Interesting. Yeah. Have have you met people who, like, claim that they're Christians, but you would sort of be, like... Like, have you personally met people who are like that? Who, like, and, claim to be a Christian, but, but from like, their life you can see that they're really not? Either or? that or, like, little espouse things that aren't... That you might not consider bi- uh, biblical... Um, for sure. I mean, like I've I I've definitely met fake Christians out there, and um, I you don't really have to search far to find one. You know, like there I think there's a lot of 
fake or nominal Christians who who don't are not actually converted, I would say. Yeah, I think I so. saw. Are you looking for like any specific answer in if that you want, or like you don't have to. I'm just Are you are you looking more so like in the Russian church or just I'm just asking you can sort of what comes to mind. I was sort of think, thinking like within college specifically stuff that oh, okay, okay, okay. like stuff that's unique to college because a lot of people for example would would claim that oh um, like the colleges or like the university is like a cesspit where people like uh, or people like leave the faith or where people right. um, they they're like they conform to the culture and they'll espouse things that like maybe aren't like. I, I don't know some like just generally speaking or like maybe they'll um, they'll go like full on like uh, like heretical yeah I think you actually brought up an interesting point about college I think college is definitely this time in people's lives where right it's like the first time you're away from family it's the first time you kind of just have to think for yourself and so yeah, there's a lot of people who leave the faith, but I've also seen like quite a bit that like actually take the opportunity to explore more about their faith, you know? I think there's definitely a large stigma about Christianity in that it's it's just a religion, like it's just another religion. And so like us as Christians obviously believe it's the only way of life or the only way of living or like the right way to live, right? And so f- bringing up that conversation with people, like um, if you ask someone if they're Christian, like you're going to get a lot of yeses, but then if you actually try to go deeper than surface level, like there's really not much to back up their faith there. And that's because Christianity has definitely lost its meaning in the term and like what it's used to describe like Christian, Christian in like today's culture can describe a wide variety of things, which it shouldn't. Right. Cool. Yeah. Um, anything else that, you think might be interesting to share? Um, I don't know. Not for real. Like, I'm excited to see where this podcast goes, though. For <sighs> real. Like, it's going to be cool to see, like, it's fun, yeah. like how far it'll go. I, I have I have a friend of mine who she said that she might make a design for me. Actually? And that'd she's, be so tight. she's, like, pretty legit, so. Are you going to try to keep it, like, more washu people or, like, anyone? Dude, we'll see, man, but, um. For now, I'm, I'm sticking to mostly washi, but we'll see if I can. But yeah, yeah. Thanks for making it out. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate for having your me, man. your, your this time. Was awesome. Here, shake my hand. <laughs> yes, because everyone can hear it. All right. Thanks again, and thanks everyone for watching. Goodbye.